0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Building a Story Brand Podcast. This is Donald Miller, your host, here with my co-host, JJ Peterson. Hi, JJ. Hi,
1: Don. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, We've been apart. I've missed you. I've missed you more.
0: <laughs> I did some traveling, you I, did, some I traveling, did some traveling, traveling Yeah, uh, lots of fun, and it feels like we kind of recorded the first few episodes, then we took a break. We, yeah. We've already recorded the interviews, but we needed to record these things. It feels like a lot has happened. Like yeah. when we were gone, we launched a podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and this is number 4. This is number 4 in the series which The 4th episode of the Building a Story Ren podcast. By the way, congratulations. Thank are you. In order. Thank um, you. We
0: hit number one on marketing and management or management and marketing, whatever it is, yes. on iTunes. <laughs> and we're featured today on New and Noteworthy. Thank yeah. you to to iTunes for featuring us because I know there's a human being somewhere going, I like you today. yeah, Because <laughs> I, I don't think it has to do with anything other than uh, some guy. Well,
1: it does have to do with thank you to our listeners. Thank you to everybody for downloading and for subscribing so and far, being a
0: 30, part of 000. this. Hopefully that's a small wow. number, but 30,000 so far which is amazing, we're like a radio station. Yeah. Remember when <laughs> college kids had a little, you know they just wanted to play that new Depeche Mode song <laughs> and they felt like they had all that yes. power. I yeah. feel that way again.
1: Mine was more like whoop, there it is. But yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're mm-hmm. a little
0: younger. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's pretty awesome. I think part of the reason that we're succeeding is honestly because we help people clarify their message. And I believe that there are three things people want more than anything else in the world. They wanna be seen, they wanna be heard, and they wanna be understood. Yeah, And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We help companies be seen, heard, and understood. Most companies have a message that is so cluttered and confusing, nobody sees them, nobody's listening, and nobody understands. Yeah. And so we have this great process that helps you figure that out. If you're new to the podcast, go back to episode one because we kind of review what the process looks like. Yeah. It's a seven part framework that you can learn. It is the Six Sigma of messaging, and we uh, we love it, and it's working. So many of our clients are doubling their revenue. Now, we don't want to promise this, but a couple clients are quadrupling their revenue yeah. just because they got their message straight.
1: Yeah, it was pretty fun to hear back, even people who've heard things on the podcast and are writing in and saying, oh, this has helped me so much. But my favorite thing is taking companies through this, because we have great people with great products. They just can't position themselves well in the market to be heard and understood and seen. And so we invite them to Nashville or we go to them, uh, to their companies, and we help them go through this process. And JJ,
0: what I love about what you just said Mm -hmm. is that it is a shameless plug. For StoryBrand. Yeah, without a doubt. And coming to one of our workshops and clarifying (laughs) your message. So go to StoryBrand.com, learn more about that. Also, what we love is a lot of people, uh, they've sent us their websites and they say, can you review my website? Can you please? which we do in
1: every podcast. We do it
0: at the end of this podcast. We do it at the end of every podcast. And yes, we can review it. Uh, but, if you go to 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com, 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com, either spell it or use the number, you can get all the tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff in a very short period of time. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of helping us uh, yeah. revolutionize your message, but it's going to be a really valuable resource for you. Go to 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com and here's the thing. You're going to e- enter your email address and then we're going to on-ramp you to buy a whole other product. And you see, Don, I don't want to be on-ramp. You do and here's why. Print out every one of our emails and study them because it's exactly what you need to be doing with your clients. Yeah. All we're doing to you is what we're teaching you to do to your clients. <laughs> yeah. So why wouldn't you want to go through
1: that? All right.
0: Today's episode <laughs> is fantastic.
1: Oh, I'm so excited for people to hear this. It's all about having a plan. Yeah. Talk about that. There are seven different phases of the story brand framework. Right. And we've gone through the first three in the first three episodes of the, of the podcast. Know your character and what they want, the problems, the three kind of problems that they have to overcome, how you come alongside them as a guide, the two mm-hmm. ways you come alongside them as a guide, and give them a plan. So that's what this episode is about is the plan. Talk yes. about that a little you bit.
0: You need to provide for your potential customers preferably a three-step plan that gets them from a problem to a solved problem. Mm. Now you say, Don, I can't do that. There's 37 steps. Then break it up into three phases. Once you get to four, buying decreases. So it's kind of like stones in a creek. If you and I were on a hike and we have to cross this creek and I say, let's go. And you say, I don't want to get wet. And I say, wait, there's a stone here, a stone here, and a stone here. And that's how we're going to cross this creek. You're much more likely to cross the creek. So when you say... Don, I've got a lawn care company, we could really take care of your lawn, why don't you hire me? I'm 2% ready to hire you. But when you say, Don, I've got a lawn care company, Uh, we really can revolutionize your lawn, you're gonna have a lot more time and your neighbors are gonna be jealous. Uh, There's three phases. One, we analyze your lawn. Two, I give you a customized strategy. Three, we execute it. Are you in? Suddenly I go, that seems a lot easier than, I don't have any mystery in my brain about how this works. Yeah and I'm much more likely to do business with you. In fact, I am much more likely percentage-wise to do business with you. If you don't have three phases or three stages or three steps that will get a customer from their problem to their solution, and part of those steps is doing business with you, then you're losing out on sales. So that's the plan aspect of the story brand framework. We spend about two and a half hours at our workshop explaining the difference, the different kinds of plans that have been unbelievably successful for our customers. And you can learn more if you buy our product, but it, it, just understand you've got to have a plan. That free advice will create an uptick in your business yeah. and you need to set aside some time and create a plan. That said, uh, as our gift to you today, we wanted to talk to somebody who has a plan. Now, it's unrelated to the plan <laughs> yeah. you want to create to it's for your It's not the clients. story brand plan. It's not the story brand plan. But it's something that every business leader needs. Yeah. And it's a life plan. Yeah. It's a plan that you put in place to organize and declutter your life so it makes sense. And I love the woman who we interviewed today.
1: Yeah. Claire Diaz Ortiz is amazing. I mean, she, yeah, I've known her for a little bit. You've known her for quite a while.
0: Yeah, she's she's an old friend, and but she becomes an old friend pretty quickly. Yeah. Claire was one of the original executives at Twitter. She helped launch Twitter and turn it into the multi-billion trillion dollar megaphone (laughs) of nonsense that it is today. Her handle
1: on Twitter is literally at Claire, meaning she was the first Claire on Twitter or had the power to steal it from the first Claire. That's right. (laughs) She
0: actually called me once because she said, do you want Donald Miller as a handle? And I was like, well, I think there is a Donald Miller. You know, he kind of beat me. And uh, she goes, oh, we'll take care of that. So I'm pretty sure there's a Donald Miller buried in New Jersey somewhere. (laughs) And I've got his Twitter handle. But uh, yeah, Claire is amazing. Uh, She wrote a book called Twitter for Good, about how people are using Twitter for social justice issues. And then she's written another book called Design Your Day. And it is a 100-page small book that you can get through on a Sunday morning. Super easy, quick read. But I'm telling you, you know, half of life is just focus. Yeah. I mean, half the people who live an amazing life, the reason they do is because they're focused. They know what to leave out.
1: And have a plan to get to where they want to be.
0: And have a plan to do it. And Claire's book will help you do that. The book is called Design Your Day. I want to talk to Claire about what sort of plan she used to organize her life, because she's accomplished such an incredible amount.
1: Yeah, She well,
0: also got the Pope on
1: Twitter. I know, that's like one of the things that I love. She is the person who is known for getting the Pope on Twitter.
0: And just a couple of weeks ago, I'm telling you, we were at the Vatican with Claire, and we
1: went to places I don't think we were supposed to go.
0: <laughs> so that's the power that Claire has with the Pope.
1: We are so excited about this, the fourth episode of Building a Story Brand Podcast. Here is Claire Diaz-Ortiz.
0: You're in Buenos Aires.
2: I am, the, the Paris of the southern hemisphere.
0: And you love it? I mean, you, you married an architect guy. He took you to, to Argentina. You guys had a baby, and you're there. You're an American. You're an expat. Are you happy? Are you,
2: Is it good? I love it. It's 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 a different world and you know, there are times when I'm like WhatsApping with my pediatrician in Spanish where I'm like, Where <laughs> am I? and what happened to, you know, Claire Williams. But <laughs> for the most part, it's just really, really fun and it's very much kind of a life I think I was looking for and maybe didn't realize I needed.
0: Wow, okay, explain that. You know, I've known you for long enough to know that you're very driven, but you don't come off like when you hang with you, you're not like, hey, let's work or not talk. But you've managed to get a lot done in your relatively short life. And now you're married and living in a, is it a slow-paced society, I would imagine?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, people ask why like Argentina and, you know, it's not the economic stability or the political headache or, you know, those, those are kind yeah. of the yeah. reasons. But it's just kind of a culture that I think I really need. I'm super type A and super go, go, go. And if I don't have external sort of things placed around me to make sure that I slow down, um, I I get out of whack. And so I think living in a place that is actually slower, I mean, I think most of the southern hemisphere is really like that, honestly, like Australia, South Mm -hmm. Africa, all awesome places to live. Um, But I think it helps. And we, you know, we used to live in the big city of Buenos Aires, which is um, a little bit more, I mean, it's nothing like Manhattan, but it's definitely a big city, but we moved about 25 minutes out. and Now we're like on this lake with this cool house my husband made and stuff. And so it's all like super chill.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like putting a regulator on a fast engine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You just kind of mm-hmm. need it or you're going to burn out. I remember uh, just spending a little bit of time in Manhattan and thinking I would literally have a heart attack at 50 if I lived in Manhattan because I, I would just give in to all the stimulation. I would just want to be driving, driving, driving all the time. So Portland, Oregon, Nashville, Tennessee, they slow me down. They let me work at a good pace. I, I totally understand what you're talking about. However, I was also very excited when I saw your book. First of all, the book is called Design Your Day. It's a wonderful little paperback. You can pretty much read it on one or two flights, and uh, it will reset your moral compass and give you enough inspiration to really just filter through some of the garbage that's going on in your life. This is a fantastic (laughs) little book. Why'd you write this book, Design Your Day? Why'd you write it?
2: So it's funny. I've I've written a, a few books now, and I think over the years I kept sort of thinking and coming back to this idea that the thing that I really kind of do well and really care about and I'm really passionate about is sort of figuring out how to how to work well, but how to kind of live better. And I think that I um, have had a lot of struggles with that. I still struggle with it every day. And you know, they say that the thing that most challenges you is uh, maybe the thing you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. And so I think. At some point in my time at Twitter, when I was in this crazy open office and, you know, multitasking all day and talking to coworkers all day while you're trying to get down, done important memos and having interviews at the same, you know, phone calls at the same time and meetings at the same time during all of that, I sort of thought, Hey, there must be a better way. And that's kind of when I became pretty obsessed with energy management and productivity and looking into stuff. And then mm. over the years, kind of developed sort of my own brand of it. And finally, when I left Twitter and was able to sort of calibrate my life a bit better, um, this book really seemed like the the sort of place to to share some of what I'd learned, essentially.
0: I really loved your concept of less is more and this idea of spelling out less and because I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big believer in just focus. And the more you can get off of your plate, the more you're actually going to do. Wasn't it Warren Buffett who said the difference between sort of a billionaire successful businessman and the average Joe is the billionaire almost always says no to everything.
2: Isn't that amazing? It I mean, is it's, true. Have you read um, Greg McEwan's book, Essentialism?
0: Yes. And I love that book.
2: So, I mean, he's just been such, such a teacher for me. I've been doing this sort of year-long program with him this year where we kind of have retreats each quarter. And it's just been amazing in terms of helping kind of clarify my thinking and everything and i think that it's funny that i wrote this book design your day before really getting involved in his world because so much of it overlaps it's really so much of you know this concept of doing less so that you can achieve more is all about paring down
0: yeah and i read i read your book at the same time uh, maybe a month after i read uh, essentialism i love the idea that both of you kind of hit on this that you know by choosing one thing you're choosing not to do something else or by choosing mm-hmm. You know, there's opportunity costs with every decision that we make. And so now, when somebody says, Hey, can you come speak here? Instead of going, Oh, yeah, you know, I could use that money, I'm actually sitting there going, This is going to cost me time with Betsy. It's going to cost me time away from the office. The opportunity costs, even financially, is, might even just be break even. And uh, it's fascinating to me when you begin to think of uh, not everything as a yes or no, it's a more complicated answer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Les, can you walk us through LESS?
2: Sure. So the overall idea is do less. So the D was kind of deciding what's important. So that was word of the year and and getting some of those annual goals down. And then the O right. is really organizing your life to to fit those priorities because I think goals without purpose are I don't know dirt or something. There should be some <laughs> great phrase, right? Um, so the less is is all about how you're going to organize to to get to hit those priorities and hit those goals. And so the L in that is about limiting what you do to your best 20%. And so again, what is happening here is we're looking at the 80-20 rule or Pareto's principle, which says that 20% of what you do will reap you 80% of, mm. of your results, right? And so mm-hmm. the, the the converse of that is that we spend 80% of our time spinning our wheels to just get 20% of our results, yeah. right? So the concept in limiting what you do to your best 20% is basically an exercise I walk you through in the book that... Um, More or less what you're doing is you're making a master sheet of all the activities you take part in, whether they're, you know, things like cleaning the house and spending time with your wife or, you know, going to a meeting or, or traveling for a client engagement, whatever it is. You make a list of those activities and then you also make a list of kind of your big wins. So the big things you did in the last year that were really, really successful. And basically in the course of this activity I walk you through in the book, you end up trying to identify what are those things in your life that really are your best twenty percent? Hmm. Uh, so you know, for me, spending time with my toddler—that's obviously my best twenty percent. Um, some of the work I was doing did fall into that best twenty percent. You know, you kind of get a sense for it as you as you go through the exercise, and ultimately, at the other end, you come out with a bunch of stuff that are is not in your best twenty percent. And so it's trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with all this other stuff? And so some of that is stuff that. You ideally delegate, whether it's, you know, you hire someone or you already have someone on your team, you delegate that out or you hire it out. And some of it is just stuff that, you know, no one should be doing ever, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and many of us, you know, email comes to mind, certain emails come to mind when you say, you know, <laughs> never do something. Um, yeah. So that's sort of the exercise and it's super powerful. And I think that a lot of it is also about mindset. I mean, we have to say that here because you know, we're lots of entrepreneurs are, are listening to, you know, this podcast. And as entrepreneurs, a lot of people are kind of watching the bottom line, they don't want to make the expenditure on something that they can do um, mm-hmm. just as easily. And it's and it's totally the wrong way to think. I mean, when you do this exercise, you see that, oh, hey, um, yeah, it's true. I'm only spending two hours a week doing my own travel bookings. But two hours a week of your precious energy when in reality, you don't have 40 hours of, you know, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Work each week, you've got to take that off your plate. And you know, you start to sort of do that and sort of figure what is two hours of my time really worth? And it's not worth doing this. This should be sent to someone else.
0: Yeah. That sort of thing. I love it. And then also, just you know, since I really understood this concept, thanks in part to your book, um, I get a lot more time to play because I mm-hmm. realize all of that is wasting time. Really, this is what is profitable for my company. That doesn't take me that long to do. If I just focus on <laughs> that and I say mm-hmm. no to all these other meetings, I get to play I get to enjoy my life a little bit.
2: Well and that's critically though Don the play is critical for your productivity. Oh, I it mean,
0: absolutely is. there is no question. Is essential. Yeah so. okay, limit what we do to 20% and uh, the 80 20 principle, there's a bunch of books on that they're fantastic. Uh, e, what's e?
2: So the e is editing down the time you spend. So this is that idea that you know work fills to um, work expands to fill the time you give it, right? So when you really think about how you can really focus and and really do better work, it's about giving yourself smaller chunks of time to do that work in. So whether it's, you know, three months to complete some chapter of a book and you try to shrink that into two weeks or whether it's three hours to write a hard email that you can try to shrink into one hour, it's about editing down that time. And I think my favorite example from this comes from Silicon Valley you know, I mentioned before Twitter was in this open office, right? Super yeah. popular all over the world these days. Open offices, so much fun to look at and, you know, <laughs> like, take pictures of. But working in them is super hard, right? Because you're constantly distracted. Um, there's just so much going on. It's very, very hard to focus. So I would just constantly be in the office and have someone come in at like, you know, 2 p.m. and they'd say something like, oh, my gosh, I was just at the coffee shop And, you know, I got more done in three hours and I get done in all day, you know, a regular Mm -hmm. day. It's just such a common feeling. And it's something that many of us have felt. And we think that's unusual, but it's not unusual. That's because you're focused, right? And so editing down the time you spend is about, you know, giving yourself less time to do things, but make sure that that time is really focused time. That doesn't mean you don't take breaks during that time, but it means that you really focus. You find a place where you can work well. You find a time of day that you work best at and you do what you need to do.
0: I love it. There's, I, I have a little day planner. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I actually I created it. And it gives me a to-do list. There's about 12 things I can put on my to-do list. But then in a separate section, much bigger, it gives me three things to focus on that day. Mm-hmm. I rarely can even focus on three. It's mostly mm-hmm. two. But it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great little mental device to say, well, here's all the stuff I've got to do. i got to go to the dry cleaner. I've got to call so-and-so. I've got to return this email. But really, I've got to work on this chapter of the book, and I've got to work on this automated email campaign. And I, and it's great to be able to separate this is the real work from this is the stuff that you just do to sustain your life. Absolutely. Uh, I, it's It was a game changer for me. I mean, I can't believe how much more productive I got when I separated the big stones from the little stones, right? Mm-hmm. And I understood what was important. Super, super mm-hmm. good. Okay, S.
2: So S is streamlining. So S is basically coming up with systems that work for you that allow you to really work better in less time. So one of my favorite systems that I think really everyone should implement is is called batching. Uh, many of us have heard of it. Many of us use it um, or try to use it. <laughs> the concept is doing similar activities all all grouped together. Hmm, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Let's say in an average week, you write memos, you write emails, you have meetings, and you meet with clients, right? Instead of doing these things just sort of randomly one after each other on any given Monday, you would say, hey, I'm going to batch my days, so, you know, in an ideal world, you would say, hey, for two days of the week, those are just going to be focused on client meetings. I'm going to, you know, jazz up on my decaf lattes in the morning, I'm going to dress well, I'm going to pump myself up for these two days, and I'm going to do really well with these client meetings. Mm-hmm. This other day is is going to be just a writing memo day and getting my, you know, deep email work in. And that kind of day, I'm going to, you know, hold myself up in my home office, and I'm just going to crank things out. So it's batching work. And obviously, it sometimes doesn't, work to the extent where you can do it as a whole day for this, a whole day for that, but you can even in, you know, corporate environments as as I have shown while working at Twitter, do it within a given day. So, hey, you know, the mornings are for this, the afternoons are for this. And this is absolutely life-changing. I mean, multitasking, we think of it as doing two things at once, but it's also switching back and forth between <laughs> right, tasks. Yeah. And we lose a massive, a massive amount of our productivity by doing this. And so instead, just focusing on one thing and sticking to that one thing and monotasking is, you know, is going to reap you crazy, incredible rewards.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay. And then the final S, stop.
2: Yeah. I mean, this might be the most important. Uh, you know, you, you touched on it when you said, Hey, when you work more productively, you have more time to play, but the concept in stopping is just to, to get out of your own way and to, and to rest. You know, studies show that. Most of us max out at around 37 productive hours in a week or around 37 work hours beyond that we're not very productive. I think I max out around 25 honestly from mm. the ways that I you know measure my time and, and see what I'm spending time doing. Whatever your number is though, the point is when you're done being productive, it's time to step away. Mm. and you know there are different ways to do this. There are ways to take breaks in the course of a day. There are ways to, you know, set strict work hours where you turn off your phone and turn off your computer after 6 p.m. or whatever time you you set. Um, there's the digital Sabbath, which I totally love. So it's taking, you know, one day off or usually about 36 hours, totally kind of not connected to devices. And then there's sort of the longer digital detox. You go on vacation for nine days and you, you know, don't connect to your iPhone at all during that time. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, it's basically finding these ways to stop and plugging them into your regular life because this is the way that you will not burn out truly.
0: Yeah, I, I love what you're saying because it's so important to recharge. And there are days as I've gotten older, they've gotten easier, but uh, where I'll sit and I've got to work on a chapter and the words aren't there. And the reason they're not there is because I didn't sleep quite enough last night or I'm, I'm burn, burning out a little bit, and to sit there and go, Okay, I'm gonna actually physically take two days to rest, mm. I'm amazed at how quickly it recharges rather than just pushing through. And rest doesn't necessarily mean stop working. It just means stop working on that and do the little mm-hmm. things and the odds and ends that I've got to get done in order to keep the company going. Um, but but huge. I mean, I I actually met with uh, Pete Richardson. You know Pete Richardson in Colorado? He's, I know of him, Yeah, yes. we, he did my life plan and he actually said, Dom, how do you recharge? And it was, I take mm. my dog for walks. I go to movies, but you know, he didn't say recharge, like where do you find rest? Then he actually made me take those two or three things that I do to recharge and put them in my calendar. So on this day, in the middle afternoon, I'm gonna go to a movie, which everybody listening to this goes, oh, well you've got the life or whatever. But but quite honestly, when I started doing that, I started being more, not less productive. You can't run your iPhone all day without recharging it and your brain's just not gonna work that way either. Even in my office, we we're such geeks. We're like right out the back door, we we kind of have this giant field uh, behind our office, and we play frisbee golf probably two to three amazing. times a day. It's Amazing! <laughs> Just yeah, to and we get more back. done. We get more mm-hmm.
1: done. Mm-hmm.
0: Claire, this was awesome. There are two questions that we ask everybody who comes on the StoryBrand podcast. I'm super excited to ask them to you. The first is: Is there a person? A person. That you look toward and say, you know, I want to be more like them. Who is that person, and why?
2: Well, so I feel like my person is a bit controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay, my favorite author of all time um, came to an untimely end, uh, mm. but did amazing, amazing work in her in her short life and amazingly creative work. Um, so it, it's Sylvia Plath. And wow, I wondered
0: if you'd say Sylvia Plath when you said her. Yeah. her she came to an
2: I I worry, I worry about sharing her as like kind of this mentory figure simply because of, you know, how her life ended up going. But I just think she is such an example of someone who had incredible brilliance and knew it at a young age, but also was able to sort of make time and embrace that. And I think that what those of us who aren't brilliant can learn from her is just this idea of, you know, making sure that you value creativity in your life.
0: Yeah, and I wonder, it's, it's a shame. I wonder if, if she would have not died so early, if she would have had the perspective to have sustained for longer what she would have contributed to the world. That is a huge loss. A huge It mm-hmm. also teaches you not mm-hmm. to date the wrong guy, right?
2: I mean, yeah. <laughs> very could, it's got
0: to be part of it. All right, what, uh, what one book, other than The Bell Jar and Design Your Day, should uh, we all be reading? Final question, what one book should we all be reading according to Claire?
2: Um, I think you should all read Essentialism. I mean, we talked about Uh, it on this podcast, but I think it's just an amazing book to help you sort of narrow down what is really, really important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Don, I have to say, I I read Essentialism right around the time that I went through the story Brand. And it was, I mean, these two things combined together just crystallized sort of everything for me. And I was, you know, I was going through this weird period of leaving Twitter, not really sure what was next. And it just made everything clear. Um, and so, you know, this year, my word of the year is, is called work by design. Hmm. And it's a hashtag, it's a phrase. And it kind of comes from having written that book, and then I'm going to be, you know, launching a course and this whole online product thing called work by design. And I feel like it was you plus Greg's essentialism that that made me figure out sort of what was next and and how to get there. So yeah, cheers to you.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I, I also recommend essentialism. So I think it's a wonderful book. Claire Diaz-Ortiz, you can find her online. She's got a, a online course coming out in the future called Work by Design. Is that going to be a book too, I hope?
2: Yeah, one day.
0: One day. So check her out. I've been uh, learning from this woman for many, many years now, and I will be learning from her for many more Thank you so much for taking time and and just talking to the Building a story brand audience. I think we can all learn so much from this, Claire. This was really,
2: really wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: We're at one of the most fun parts of the podcast because it's the point where Don actually goes into one of your websites and gives his impression of what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. We call it a web critique, but Don has reviewed now thousands of websites, so he sees pretty quickly where you're losing sales. If you'd like to know more about how you can improve your website, visit 5minutemarketingmakeover.com and you'll get great advice that you can put into practice right away and it'll help turn browsers into buyers. If you would like to tackle this issue once and for all and seriously clarify your message so more customers engage, you can register for one of our workshops at storybrand.com. Come see us and we will help you clarify your message because confusing messaging is costing you way too much. Clarify your message, grow your company, people will start buying when they understand exactly how you can make their lives better. But for now, here's Don reviewing yet another website.
0: Today's website comes to us from Erin Hart. She's at E.E. Hart, H-A-R-T 77, and she works with Three Rivers Christian Schools. I'm telling you, we get so many schools coming through StoryBrand. I love working with educators. We actually took the entire faculty of Lipscomb University in one day through the seven-part StoryBrand framework. They're using it all over that school, and that school, of course, is booming, and we work with them to really integrate the seven-part framework into all levels of their marketing. I'm looking at Three Rivers Christian School and I'm seeing what I see in a lot of websites and especially a lot of educators. First of all, Aaron, you've got a a slideshow happening above the fold. Tons of great pictures, lots of great information. Here's the problem. You are bombarding me, right? So imagine going into a restaurant and having five waiters come up to your table at the same time, and each of them tell you what's on the menu and what the specials are and what the cocktail specials are, and they're all bombarding you with information. That's exactly what is happening when I go to your website. Imagine walking into a restaurant and the hostess takes you to a table, She sits you down, she asks you how your day was, and is there any special occasion, and then she says, you know, before I leave, I just gotta tell you the special of the day is fish, and it's really good, people are really raving about it. Enjoy your meal, somebody will be with you shortly. Well, that's how you actually let information be revealed, slowly, after listening, uh, at at a pace that people can understand, and when we go to a website and people are just sort of shouting information at us, Our first impression is not anything that you're actually communicating. Our first impression is clutter and disorganization. And I fear that your website is doing this. Get rid of this slideshow. What I want is an image of happy students at the school above the fold and then a statement that just says what you are. The statement over that image needs to say what is it? What is it? And if it doesn't answer the question what is it, you're losing people. The other thing that you've got Up here, and I'm looking at the top right and really the whole top of this website, uh, is you have a ton of links. Home, admissions, about us, academics, athletics, early learning center, calendar, TRCS blog, support TRCS, contact, donate, online payments, alumni, subscribe to our newsletter. I mean, way too much information. I want maybe about us and schedule an appointment or schedule a tour. That's it. you you can't have any more than that you're giving us way too many options studies show that when you give people more than three options that is when you go to the fourth option buying is reduced buying goes down and so when you give people this many uh, options and they're just not gonna pay any attention to it the other thing is on the top right of your website you should have one obvious button to press you've probably got 10 or 12 buttons here we need one that stands out and is a different color uh, and then as we scroll down, we just have a lot of text. Enrollment, academics, donate. You know, what the, the, the idea here is you want to pass the grunt test. And the grunt test means, can you show it to a caveman? And a caveman grunts what your offer is. You know, you sell great lawn care. Uh, me, lawn look better. Good price, right? You want it to be that simple. And on your website, I'm afraid it's just not that simple. Uh, you've got a lot of good stuff going on here. You've got a lot of pictures of smiley, happy people. I would think if a student is looking at this website, wondering where they want to go to school here, they're going to look and say, Oh, you know, I could probably be happy here. If a mom or dad is trying to make a decision, uh, you have an educated audience that's going to look a little further. You've got that going for you, but why not make it even more simple? You don't have to lose a lot of this text. You can just leave it scrolling down the bottom of the page, but we must pass the grunt test. And the grunt test is when somebody looks at your website for five seconds and they can answer three questions What do you sell? How's it gonna make my life better? And what do I need to do to buy it? So, in short, clean up this section uh, here at the top above the fold. Get rid of this slideshow of images and text. Give me one image of happy people. Give me one statement that says what you are. Get rid of all of these buttons at the top of the website. Put them way down at the very, very bottom. Give me one obvious button in the top right corner. Schedule an appointment or schedule a tour. Maybe another button that says about us, but make it faded. I just, I'm having to think too hard to engage this website and figure out what you are. And sadly, there's just too much competition these days to make people think. So that's the website. It's not a terrible website. We've seen so much worse. And not only that, you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to fix this. This is a pretty easy, quick fix. Listen, if you'd like for me to review your website in person, live, in a room, you and I together. I want you to register for a workshop at StoryBrand.com about 50 business leaders come together and we actually just get an enormous amount of work done over a couple days you really don't want to miss this also I want to thank Andrew Bell music for this episode is brought to you by his album Black Bear Andrew is unbelievable he's one of my favorites I begged and pleaded, can we please use your music? He said, yeah, go ahead. And we used it and we love it. Andrew, thanks so much. Our aim with this podcast is always to help you stand out in a sea of noise. And we do that by helping you get crystal clear on your message. When your message is right, people engage, people listen, people understand. On behalf of the entire StoryBrand team, thanks for listening.